You're listening to Red Nation Online. A gift from the soccer gods! Coming into the weekend, there is no player over the last three years that has created more chances... Sunday, May 1st, as these side stand-ups, Paul Marhew and I'm Ian Clark, and we're post-match TFC's 2-1 loss to the Portland Timbers. It could have been a breakout game for Toronto's attack were it not for Jake Gleason, who made four outstanding saves in the second half. We discuss how to frame what felt like a sure win, how to rate the eight-game road start to the season, and look ahead to finally seeing a game at BMO as the Reds host FC Dallas next Saturday. All this and more on the next 45 minutes on Eastside Stand-Up. Considering I showed up at the half, yeah, I listened. To, I saw ha- half the game on the radio, half the game live, um, <laughs> and, and I, I missed part of it because I was late. Yeah, and I always forget to like. St- whenever you and I are in a pot, I always forget to be East Side Stand Up on East Side Stand Up. <laughs> so we got we got a billet as such, and every time I'm like, oh, after I'm like, oh, I always forget. I know we should get like some promotional synergy or something going. <laughs> have you made, have, have I ever been on a script? No, that's true. I owe you. I owe you big time. <laughs> I owe you like four comics. I think. I think that is. Um, everyone wants to know what their cartoon self would would be drawn as. And <laughs> do you want to know? Do you really? <laughs> I don't know. I don't, maybe. Kind of. I don't know. I was into like comics as a kid, so I think it'd be pretty cool to see yourself in a comic. Form. Well, you you can just keep your eyes open. You never know. So, Paul Marhew, obviously, of East Side Stand Up. Ian Clark of East Side Stand Up. <laughs> we're at Football Factory. We were making note that it sounds like that after this Trump game, the satellite radio station is a is a normal one. Yes, relatively. And, it, and the 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 thing was uh, two two episodes ago, we outroed with um, Marvin Gaye's "Sexual Healing" with no like. Was it a win? It was two a games win. ago. It, well, it was, and we didn't get you know we didn't say anything on the podcast. I just did it because the story was Toronto C won the game. And then I'm sitting there with Julian, and all of a sudden, it's just sexual healing's playing. Right. And we're both looking at each other. And it's awkward. It's super awkward. <laughs> it was appropriate for the team and the game, but then also, the situ- we're sitting here waiting for the bill, and we're like, it couldn't come any sooner for us to get. And then we had a laugh about it. So, not, none of that is happening today. But you do have a story to tell, so there's some positive that came out. Sure, of it. yeah. We can say it like that. And today, there's, uh, I guess there's lots of stories with Toronto FC playing Portland Timbers. Uh, I mean, off the hop, there's a couple of storylines or a couple of things that we can say from the beginning. Obviously, Toronto FC loses. And when I rolled in at the half and we were looking at where the team was, you know, you posed the question to me, you know, what kind of, if they lost this game. And then, how would you feel? And then I sort of said, well, it depends on numerous things. The one condition I didn't outline is if we had like five chances yeah. on net to win it and ended up losing it, I would have been disappointed. It makes it tough. Um, I think people might look at big picture of the road trip and be able to swallow it, but I'm, I still think you look at this game as a, 
I still look at it in the moment as opportunity lost. Well, like you said, there are a lot of kind of storylines with this game. There's the um, the Portland Will Johnson connection. There's the end of a long road trip. There's how they played on the road. There's the home opener next week. How are they going to play in the home opener? There's just so much to kind of break down. Yeah, sure. And if we look at, obviously, Toronto C's road form to date and how we've been framing this team, what our thoughts have been about them. We had some of those discussions during the games of how we've been observing the team playing over the first seven games of the season and where they've gotten. And then I guess now we can talk about where where this result plays into that. Right. Because um, I think coming into the game, uh, everyone might have been falling, feeling, beginning to feel quite positive about this team. Do you feel, after seven games, how you felt about the team and how we were doing on the road after seven games, do you feel after this eighth game, it's changed? Like, has your opinion of... You know what we've done up to on, in this eight games, like worse or better or the same. The, well, here's the, the one thing I would say that this game showed me was that I think against a team that is lesser opposition than Toronto, they couldn't close the deal. Um, maybe that's one thing that I would say that, that I took away from this game is yeah, we had four or five great chances on goal and weren't able to put it away. That's Although, something that that's something I think to keep up our sleeve as this season goes on is, you know, do you learn from that? Do they come into another game where they realize, wow, even on the road, we're getting these great opportunities. We got you got to bury it. Yeah. You know, you got to finish those chances because then the other team comes back on their one or two opportunities and they, you know, they finish it on fewer chances than you get. You got to think, though, that the, the way that uh, Portland keeper was playing today, you know, that... Gleason. Yeah, Gleason. Um, does any other keeper in the MLS let in one of those four or five chances? Yeah. Is, is, is this a completely different outcome if we actually put one of those in? Yeah. In I mean, other than Nick Romando saving it with his face the other day, <laughs> I mean, I think Cleason will be up for the the keeper Without of the week or the save of the week or whatever He'll you want to say. He'll probably have a couple of uh, candidates for that. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, that's that's the thing you got to say is that without Jack Leeson today, it would have been a Toronto FC victory. Uh, so you have to kind of tip your hat and say, Hey, sometimes, and that's maybe the, there's a flip side of what I was saying as a criticism is that, shit, sometimes you're just up against a keeper who's so hot that there's nothing you can do. Yeah. And this, you're going to have a game like this. So maybe on the flip side, it's a game where Toronto says, look, we did almost everything right. Let's, you can't let that set us back. You can't let that become a mental stumbling block. We just got to keep doing what we're doing. You know, and if that keeps happening, then you address it. But I think in the moment, you look at that and say, they had luck on their side this game. Yeah. They had the keeper that was on fire. We approached the next game the exact same way. You know what? I'm glad you're you're kind of, like, challenging the narrative a little bit because, like, during this discussion, I came back to that first goal that Toronto let in and how they were sliced apart by Valeri and Maddox and Addy. Now... You don't want to be too critical because they've been really good defensively. They they let in seven goals, I guess, is the final total on the road in the first eight games. Yeah, and that's very respectable for right? Toronto SC. For, okay, that's, yeah. that's like I mean, frame it like that too, yeah. right? Like not just any team. Yeah, but for us, that's a that's a minor miracle. Yeah, you're right, and I hope that at, at the end of this game. Not too much focus is put on, oh, we should have won it. We had all these clear-cut chances. Their goalkeeper's on fire. You know, that was the only reason why we didn't get those points or that point. Um, but also that they still have some work to do as far as their defense goes because 
it was too easy. That first goal was too easy. Yeah, and I think of there have been a couple moments um, through the beginning of the season. You know, I'm thinking the New England game where the where Beta Shore and Delgado got those wires wires crossed, where it was just it was like you said, it was too easy. So we can we can kind of take from this game and that game that there are there have been moments where you can say, okay, some of the goals that have been let in have not been the defending has looked poor and right. disorganized. Um, and that's the one thing I will say from a goal like we saw today is it does it, sh- it should be a seed planted in the back of our head against next weekend at FC Dallas who are a strong technical team who play with width you know, who can play the ball on the ground who are, who are fast fast South American yeah. you know, play, technique based players rather than physical players and that's something that Toronto need to be worried about or concerned about is that they're going to see they might see some similar like triangles and tic-tac playing that we saw in that first goal and they might see an FC Dallas that is uh they just they lost their last game, did they not? So yeah. maybe they got a chip on their shoulder and Yeah, they lost know. to Vancouver. Yeah. Which I think they would have sort of stepped back. I think they lost again, so they're probably gonna be saying to themselves, okay, we gotta we gotta straighten things out. Yeah. So it's I, I would say though, at minimum, we have a really interesting matchup next weekend. You know, it's not like uh, Toronto's been on a downward spiral. Toronto's gone too high and gotten too confident. And Dallas itself is like, oh, we, you know, we've won so many games. What's what's the big deal with the road loss? They've kind of come down a few pegs, and they're going to be motivated probably to come back up a peg or two. That's true, especially with the home opener. I mean, they don't want to disappoint fans. That could work both ways, I guess. They could uh, come in strong and determined, or you know, maybe it's a distraction for them. Mm-hmm. So let's maybe like pull in some of the key points of this game, pull in some key moments, and of course, as has been outlined. Um, you know, you caught the first. You caught the first. You didn't catch the first few minutes. I caught it courtesy of TSN 1050 Radio, uh, not my my station of choice. I've never and listened to it before. How's the announcing on that? It's, I've been pretty sure it's the. They're basically. Oh, is just, it just the broadcast? Yeah, I yeah. think they're just streaming in the broadcast. Right. So, you know, Toronto's playing at Portland, and of course we have that storyline of Will Johnson coming back. Um, and I wish I had. I think it was Kurt Larson who wrote the article, or he had some quotes kind of saying how that last year for Will Johnson was a bit of a nightmare in Portland and he didn't get a lot of time and I think after his broken leg you know sometimes you see players whether they go through a really bad injury and it's just like they just need to get out of that environment really to get over it and it looked like Will Johnson was on and whether they were going a different direction with their midfield as we talked about how you you have Chara you have Valeri you have uh, Moleno Moreno Moleno uh they're all relatively young, are they not? Those Portland midfielders? Char, no, no, Valeri's older. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Valeri and Char are a little bit older. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of thing where it's like maybe that's the direction they wanted to take that midfield and Will Johnson is the odd man out. But either way, you know, I think he was just like, I'm I'm done with this. And, of course, you know, you saw that the MLS Cup final, I thought, was a bit of a slap in the face that he didn't even get on the pitch at all yeah. that game, right? Yeah. So uh, even though he gets a cup, he didn't. Knowing him, I'm sure he looked at that and said, that isn't the kind of game I would have wanted to contribute or not contribute in and feel good about it. So, anyways, you know, we roll into this game and the initial impressions that you get was that Portland came out a little bit the stronger side and Toronto was one that was going to probably come out and feel the game a little bit. Yeah, as Uh, they should. They're on the road. Yeah, and sort of get settled into it. But it was only, uh, you know, within the first third of the game, the play that you described, where it was, I think it was Valeri to Addy. 
and Addy's a guy who we've seen for a couple, like I think at least uh, over two years now. And I think back to that game where Toronto had that amazing comeback at home mm. against Portland, where we were down, if I, I think it was 2-0 at the half, and right. they ended up winning 3-2. Yeah, and, and uh, that was... Uh, scored both of those, I think. Or was involved, at least, wasn't it? I think that was the season before. Oh, season before. I thought that happened last season. No, it no, the season before, because Hagelin was scoring goals in that game. If oh, okay. Yeah, I would have been I would have been critical of him and then had to eat my words. <laughs> As I often do with some players on Toronto FC. Yeah, because you know what? It would have been it wouldn't have been last from the year before because Ka. Uh, Ka was the defender of Portland that year and he's been at Vancouver for the last two years. I see, okay. And I right. I distinctly remember him having a total meltdown on his teammates. Right. Because they, they choked in that game. So um I think of Addy from all the way back then right. of being right. like, wow, there's they have this young, big force of a striker who's been, I think, decent but still hasn't had quite the breakout I think you would have expected from him. Yeah. Um, that was, it, was, it was kind of a sitter for him, though. I mean, like, Valerius, like, I mean, he's the engine in their midfield and he came in on the left and he, you know, a nice little give and go to Maddox and, uh, and then he passed it over Addy and it was an easy tap-in for him. So, um, yeah, I mean, um, and Addy later in the game, he, did with one. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say. Yeah. So he had a sitter, and then he had one he had to work for. Yeah. And he didn't make it happen with the one he had to work for. So yeah. that might be a bit of a statement of. Right. Right. What really Addy's got, you know, what Addy brings to the table. But so after that play, as I'm following it, you know, it's the game sort of again settles into it. But you know, you made a, a good observation. Something we've sort of talked about on the podcast is that even down one nil. In years past, you would have been like, well, even, you know, one nil down 20 minutes in, you're like, well, that's a, you know, case closed. That's yeah. a wrap. Yeah. And this year, you know, we, especially at the eight, eight game mark, but even a couple games in, and with a lot to do with last year, too, you know, you always have a sense that when Jovenko's on the pitch, especially, mm. there's going to be a chance, right, that Toronto finds a way to get something back out of her or to get a, to get claw back. Yeah, they're going to keep working, right? Like, in, in years past, you kind of saw them panic a little bit, get flustered, you know, start putting the long balls in. Um, you know, I, I don't, in general, have a problem with the long ball, only if it's done without any kind of consideration, right? But, um, you know, these eight games, what I've seen is a team that kind of doesn't really change the way they play. They're, they're composed, and uh, they stick to their game plan, and they know they're going to get their opportunities. And um, like you said, having a player like Javinko you know, and even Altador, someone that um, you know can can have that magic moment. I mean, it take, probably takes a lot of pressure off the team in general, right? Yeah, and I think that's I think that's the sense that you got after that goal that it was like you have some players out there who've been around and have a level of experience to say like a one nil lead is nothing to really get too stressed about. And I think again, like in MLS, that it's like that's that's plenty of time. Yeah. Um, to come back and make something happen. So, and that's really what we saw is that Toronto did they did find their chance, and it wasn't. There was two moments, so I think before that, that I think it's worth talking about, where we went fit, tit for tat. Oh yeah. On potential penalties. Right. Now, again, I'm I'm hearing Nigel and Nick talk about it, where it sounded like Tr- they both had a case, but it sounded like. Uh, Portland had a stronger case that Without it was it was a handball for sure yeah definitely what were your thoughts on those, both those plays Paul uh, well no doubt that um, uh, I believe it was Moore who um, uh, touched the ball in the box um, so yeah that was clearly a penalty I'm not 
I, I haven't heard any explanation about why it wasn't called. I mean, perhaps it was viewed as incidental contact. I'm not sure. Um, or maybe the angle that Toledo had was just maybe he couldn't tell if it was in the box or not. Like, I have no idea. Um, or maybe he just didn't see because he would have called a foul if, even if it was outside of the box. Um, the one with Altador, I think I need to see that replay again because um, just on Twitter as, as we were watching it, um, I think I saw a, a, a clip where maybe Altador's hand came up and hit, um, what was the defender's name on Portland? Who, Ridgewell, you think it Ridgewell, yeah. And kind of, like, hit him in the face of the, I don't know, high up a little bit, and then he fell down and his legs kind of kicked out, and that's why Altador fell down. He got kind of tripped up because of that play. So, I mean, there's definitely some fuzziness about the Altador. Sure, but there probably wasn't as much with Morris. No. So, no, I don't think so. Yeah, so, yeah. Sounds like we dodged a bit of a bullet, and that's the impression I got. Yeah. Where Nigel Nick was saying, like, it was, that was pretty, to them, it sounded like it looked pretty clear it was. Uh, with that aside, if I have the chronology correct, after that, not long after, is when Toronto got their chance to, to level the score. Right. And what we saw was Jovinko getting the ball up around the 18, or around 20 yards out. Yeah. It looked like he gets fouled. Yeah, But the referee, fouled. but then... Will Johnson like comes flying in on there, so the ref for Toledo gives us advantage. Strikes it left-footed. Yeah, he put, post. he put it in. He put it in solidly in the corner. And um, it, I gotta say that like I'm driving and honking, fist pump, fist pump. <laughs> you know, pretty excited because I think for me that was a goal that's been a little bit. Not a long time, obviously, but it's been coming. I think we've seen a couple games, like I think two games I can think of where Will Johnson should have scored already. Yeah, uh, and he hasn't been able to. And not only was it against, you know, it was Will Johnson scoring, which I think is a big thing to sort of, you know, distribute things around, sure. which is important for the balance of this team. But of course, him scoring against his old team, a little bit, a little bit of uh, yeah, and he vengeance was, or karma, however you want to say it. Yeah, he was respectful though. I mean, that's what like, it sounds like. Like initially. I saw a little bit of a fist pump from him, but then he kind of like calmed down and realized that it was in Portland. Yeah. So he kind of. It know. wasn't quite a Carl Robinson with no. his hand and his, no. his face in his hands. Oh no! What have I done? It wasn't a shame. What have I done? Yeah. <laughs> it was. No one, I don't think anyone will take that one. He was slightly disappointed for a little while. No, but it, it, it's it's great. I mean, um, it, it would have been a wonderful storyline if the game ended up one-one. But um, you know, obviously, we still had the entire second half to play. Right, and that's something that we can we can definitely uh, dig into it further because the second half, it, it definitely that was, I would say that was an entertaining second half of football. I didn't right? I didn't and, I didn't feel like Toronto FC was on the road for most of that second half. No, I think that's a fair observation. Where you look at the games like DC, New England, um, you know a lot of these early games where you didn't see those amount of chances yeah. that Toronto was generating. And it was kind of weird that you were seeing Portland almost lay back more than Toronto was. Like yeah. Portland would, well, Portland was the one who was breaking out and getting a chance here and there, but it was Toronto who was maintaining more possession and sort of doing the slow burn up towards the 18-yard box. And I wonder, I find that interesting, like, would Portland have, like, is Toronto's, I don't want to build Toronto up too much, but they've been on the road for eight games, you know, they've gotten some points, people know they're a tough team to play now, especially defensively. Do you think that Portland respected Toronto too much in that second half? Respected their offense? Maybe had less confidence in their own ability because they haven't been doing great so far this year that maybe they would kind of like give Toronto a goal. 
Like, what was it? Yeah, was it I, mean, I, think, I think that's not. A, I mean, I think that could be a fair observation. Is that almost like we got TFC, <laughs> right? Where like they looked at and said, this team has better attacking than us. You know, they have more players, so we need to have a stronger defensive shape, and we'll try to catch them on the counter. Yeah. Right. And they did almost once that one play you mentioned with Addy, but then also, you know, the play that ended up changing the game was the free kick. Right. And right. that was sort of where everything changed. And even before that point, when we had seen the other, uh, you know, sort of funny observation or the funny uh, her circumstances of this game is that Paul and I are watching on a TV in a booth here <laughs> that was on a different channel than everyone else. So we had a three-second advance on every other TV in here. So every chance we're going, no! Silence. And then everyone else goes, oh! <laughs> and we look around, and, we're, and they're sort of looking at us like, how did you know that? <laughs> sorry, sorry, guys. Like we're, and this has happened before in the past, where we've yeah. been celebrating goals or <laughs> cursing when no one else around the bar has even seen it happen yet. So that was, that we, was going on. We did eventually uh, get politely asked to keep it down yeah. when something yeah. was happening. And we kind of reeled it in. Yeah. Real interest, but there was—I think it was the Altador header. Yeah, was sort of the last one that we really were like, oh no. <laughs> <clears throat> and of course, so that's—I mean, that's even at that point, Toronto would have been ahead. And then we see this play with uh, Portland, where they're coming back. They get the free kick, and it'd be interesting to see if there's any uh, questions asked from the media or any, uh, you know, anything revealed on what that conversation with Michael Bradley. He, he was very animated. He was talking. He appeared to be directing his conversation to Irwin, uh, and he was uh, yelling his, about something. His chest. Yeah, it's like I, like there was definitely something that I would love to know what that is. I don't know if we'll ever actually find out what that is. But you and I both, when we kind of saw that, we we're like, oh, I wonder what that was. Be interesting to know. Yeah. The goal goes in, and it's oh, did that have anything to do with what just happened? Yeah. You kind of wonder. Uh, and that's, I mean, at that point, it's 2-1, but again, I don't think either of us felt like at any point that was like, that was a wrap. I remember specifically looking at the clock with 12 minutes to go and thinking, I'm not worried about this. We're going to get another chance. You know, so, and it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, like playing composed and not changing what you're doing and then, you know, just playing your game, which yeah. they did. Yeah. Uh, and we did see a couple chances. Yeah. Before the end of that game, I think two pretty clear-cut ones. One from Johnson. I think there was one more down the. St- oh, yeah, it was one a header from. Uh, that was earlier. No, that was earlier. Yeah, it was. Altidore got a clear header. Johnson got a clear header. Oh, Johnson. Bradley had a shot. Right. Bradley right. had a shot from distance. Right. That looked like it yeah. was. He had to react quickly to close yeah. that out. I mean, those are those are the four. Those were the four big chances. More hitting the, the the woodwork earlier on. Altidore had a had a clear header. Yeah. Uh, you had Johnson with a header back header, post, yeah. and then you had Michael Bradley with yeah. the strike that was well placed that you know Gleason had to react on. So yeah. again, you tip your hat to, to Gleason saying you know you kept out four goals, four pretty clear cut goals. And and this is the thing, like even if even if you discount, you know if you don't if you don't put it in, it doesn't count. You shouldn't really be talking about it, right? But the quality of the chances that Toronto got versus the quality that Portland got are night and day. I mean, yes, that first goal uh, from Valeria, we put it into Addy. Um, you know, I mean, you should put that goal in. But it was a broken play defensively. And the second goal was just a bit of magic from Valeria with the free kick, right? Yeah. But um, the Toronto chances were really good. And I don't think Portland had anything comparable in terms of chances that didn't go in. No, I don't. 
now that you're mentioning it, like I'm thinking back, like, can you say that Irwin was really tested in this game? Aside from the free, you know, the two yeah. goals, um, there wasn't anything that he really had to like stand on his head and make something happen from it. And I, you know, the games that I think back to, um, you know, Montreal was a bit similar in that sense. But when I look at the DC game, he didn't have a lot of sh- chances. He didn't have a lot of shots to stop. He had some good ones, but he also had he did have a lot of work inside the 18-yard box. So he sure. was dealing with a lot of crosses, balls in the area. He was uh, he had a lot to do. Not so much today. No. It was it was a very different game, I think, from what we've seen. Yeah. Um, so it's the kind of thing where it's like if we, you know, one of the exit points, which is one of the things we started with, is you know every game you know you try to like what did we learn? You know what can we say about this team? Uh, where they are now? Where they're going? What can we expect? And it's a little bit of sort of, you know, I am thinking like, hmm, again, I say an opponent that you, you can make a pretty strong case that we, we could have won this game. Where do, where do they go from here? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, without a doubt, cut out as many mistakes as you can, mm-hmm. right? Uh, they were a little at the be- When Portland came out strong in the first uh, part of the first half, uh, Toronto seemed a little disjointed. They weren't, like, kind of stringing their passes together or anything like that. And, uh, you know, I've seen... I've seen them do the opposite on this road trip. So I know the team's capable of it. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I'm a little hesitant to, like, get on them too much because the last game of an eight-game road trip, I don't know, maybe their heads are somewhere else. Maybe they're looking towards, you know, the home opener next weekend. I have no idea. But, you know, cut down the mistakes, right? Finish your chances. Yeah. You know? And let's maybe, let's let's now segue out of this game. You know what? Here's the, the first thing, let's say, is let's, let's come to a conclusion on this eight-game road trip before we talk about Lats getting excited for this home opener. I, I, I don't think it really, even with this result, um, I think they overachieved. They did better. Like, and I'm sort of a, I'm sort of a someone who my expectations are always at the highest. Right? Like, I, when Bill Manning came out and said eight points in eight games, I thought that was, I, I sort of thought there may have been a strat- strategic um, thinking behind that to sort of be like, let's be modest and right. let's keep expectations low so when we over-deliver, people will be excited. Well, well done, Bill Manning, because I'm, you know, I do say that, like, I would, I think, I think 11 points for this team, I think that should be something that you should be, you know, you look at the, the teams we were up against. Now, the results have fallen in different places, but when I looked at these first eight games, you know, I saw, you know, I saw win, I saw a win against New York, I saw a win against Colorado, um, you know, I could have. You could have made a case for DC, right? And then you saw a win against New York, Toronto, win New York City FC. Oh, New sorry. York City FC, sorry. right? Uh, and then it's like you know what? There's no almost any of those games. Other games, you can make a case to try to get a to yeah. grind out a draw. Sure, right? So I think three wins out of these first games. I had picked different teams they would have been against. Yeah, but if you say if you're like I have a good team, I have a contender. Yes, I think you should be saying that. Uh, and then, of course, they did get the draws in some good places. And, of course, they had some losses where we didn't expect them. But I yeah. think overall, I would probably say for what we have been shown, like the money that has been spent, the talent on the field, I think I think this road trip is what we should have been, what we, right. what we got. We should have gotten. Right, right. I, no, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, what if we only got the eight that uh, Bill Manning said? At the beginning, right? Like, how would that change this conversation? I, I, for me, it would have. Yeah. Yeah. But but I guess what I'm saying is that I think it... I don't know if it would have changed the conversation for me, provided they played the way they did. 
to get the 11, right? It, it would be hard or maybe um, harsh for me to criticize a team who went out, let in only seven goals in eight games, who played well defensively, um, who did what they needed to do on the road. If they if it, the ball bounced the wrong way on another game and they didn't get one of those wins, yeah. you know, then I, I don't think I would uh, be disappointed. I, I think based on the way they played, and this is hindsight, obviously, yeah. right? But based on the way they played, uh, I think I would have been okay with them. I would probably have been okay with them coming back well, with six you, or seven you know, the, Yeah, you know, the only thing, though, I would, I would flip that around and say is that I think last year where we finished and, and how things kind of fell did come down to one goal here and there. Sure. Now, I'd have to, I'd have to go back and look through games, which I can't find my head, but I'm, I'm fairly positive and fairly certain that there were a handful of games last year that Toronto either lost or drew through miscues or right. just, just garbage plays, right? right? I think of the New York City game away last year, 4-4 draw. All that work, that all that brilliance from Jovinko, just wasted. That last right? goal, that equal. I mean, a, yeah. you score four goals on the road, that's a win. That's yeah. a win, Yeah. right? And we ended up with a draw. So there's an example. There's That would have been two more points where we would have finished somewhere different in the table. Yeah. So th- that's that's maybe the, what I would say is if I why I might not have been happy with eight points and why I'm a little more happy with 11. Right. And now if we go, if next weekend is a poor outing and a poor result... I might be bagging on this result yeah. um, under those yeah. circumstances. But I think for now, I'm, I think I have to look at it and say, in almost any circumstance, almost any team who starts the season with eight games on the road, I think they would all be happy with 11 points. For Three sure. wins. Three yeah. wins on the road. Absolutely. For sure. Um, you know, they played some tough teams, right? They played the MLS champs. The champ. They played the uh, Supporters Supporter Shield. Shield winner. Yeah. You know, um, you know uh, it's never easy to go into D.C., or New England. Or New England. So, I mean, I, I would say that. How do I feel about this? I'm happy about it. You know, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be too critical of it. I'm happy about it. I mean, I don't think we. Honestly, I, I didn't think we would do any better. Yeah. So now let's let's now let's take this and move ahead because the one thing I would say is, I'm sure people are saying, yeah, we did really great on the road, and now it's a cakewalk. Now we're home. You know, Fortress BMO, but. You know, I would say we can't call Beaumont Field any kind of, like, maybe you can make a case for part of 2010, but I would say without a question, from 2011 until now, Toronto City has not been a force at Beaumont Field. And even last year, our home opener, we lost yeah. to Houston, right? I, like, I, it, I mean, I don't know the stats, but my recollection from last year was that uh, we were in a fortress, we were kind of... Um, not average, but we won more certainly than we lost, but we didn't dominate. You know? No. And you would think that, you know, again, with the players we have, uh, you know, everything invested in there, When I, the games that I'm thinking of is, again, a Houston, a New York City FC. Yeah. Those are two teams that shouldn't be coming in and, and walking away with the win. I agree. Uh, and Sporting Kansas City is a, a great team. Should have been a tougher display, right? Like it should we we didn't show. It should be like teams getting out of here with bloody noses and, and bloody knees and completely beaten up to come out of here with three points, not leaving BMO Field being like sweet. But did we fix the things that caused those things last year? Those games, the defense and the Irwin and well, we'll this is this is what we'll see. I think what we can obviously observe 
from these first eight games of the season is that some of the things have changed up. You know, we've seen that Michael Bradley has been playing much more with defensive responsibilities than he ever has with Toronto FC. You know, you have two two fullbacks who are definitely more, um, how do I say it? They're more comfortable in a, like a flat four necessarily than as wingbacks, yeah. right? So you have kind of like that back line that is very secure. Yeah. Um, music much more it. responsible oh, defensively than we've ever had. Although I saw Mora going up a lot this game. Yeah. Yeah, he was he was uh, contributing. He probably has a, a permission <laughs> to do that. Yeah, given given in certain circumstances, mm, I think yeah. I think that might be something that's either worked out before the game or, or during yeah. the game, where it's like, okay, these are the opportunities that were for us, yeah. and uh, you know, Portland not being particularly defensively strong, yeah. there likely was an opportunity for us to attack them mm. um, down the wings and try to get something in. And of course, you want to you want to get service to the likes of a Josie Altador, right? Yeah, um, that's why he's there. Yeah. Um, yeah. He has height. However, if I if I get back to the sort of the point that I was trying to to get to is for these first four or five or however many games, I think we have five league games with a Canadian Championship yeah. game where we're going to be on the road. Yeah. Um, you know, I there's I still think there's something to be watching. You know, I don't think we've come to any conclusion on this team yeah. and how they're going to play in BMO Field. It might need to be different than what we've seen on the road. Do you think we can even talk about how they're doing until they play those five league games at home? Yeah, you know, I think for me, like, uh, and, you know, people listen to the podcast. I just mean in terms of, like, balance. Like, they played eight on the road, played five at home. How are they playing versus what they did on the road? Like, yeah. what, what team is this? Yeah, I think, and that's what I'm getting at, is that, like, I... I I always like I'm looking to come to a conclusion with this team, and I think that's hopefully like when people listen to this podcast, it's like I'm not just um, you know being a little bit uh, you know hasty or over anxious with uh, any kind of assessment, or that I'm you know I'm holding back, I'm being a little bit too timid because I do think you need to kind of see a body of work before you come to a conclusion. And I do think because we've seen eight games on the road, and now we're going to see a glut of games at home. We're gonna see something different. Yeah, I'm expecting to see something different. So, honestly, like I don't know if I can really be like this and say confidently, like, this is who we are. This is what we can do until midsummer. Sure. Until uh, we see, until uh, we see the schedule start to balance out. Right. Right. Where we start seeing a more balance of home and away at the same time. So, but um, I'm definitely intrigued, and I'm definitely like looking forward to see what Toronto comes out with. Yeah. Um, next weekend against FC Dallas. Um, I think it's a good challenge. I think it's a good opponent too. Yeah. Because it's not like we're playing a team like a bottom feeder, like someone who's like sitting at the very bottom of the table or a team that's really struggling badly that we can sort of say, oh, this is this should be an easy three points. It's a, I think it's a team that we have to be very concerned about and would have to prepare for accordingly. So FC Dallas could be a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Um, how good they are. Yeah. I agree. Um, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see. I, I this you're right is probably the best um, scenario for the team to come off of a loss and have to prepare for a good opponent. When I was watching them in the playoffs last year, I was just really impressed with them. Like um, I liked everything about that. FC Dallas. Yeah, yeah. I liked everything. That about game against that Seattle was oh, yeah. Yeah. something. Yeah, I would love to have a win in our home opener. You know, but like you said last year, we didn't get it. I don't know. Like if if we don't get it this year, I don't think I'm going to be overly critical about it. I'll be critical about the experience as a fan, as yes. a supporter. You know, but um, I don't think it'll change that much about 
uh, the team for me, like you said, until like maybe maybe the end of this homestand. Yeah, and you know what I I do remember last year. I can't remember what the circumstances one that it really grinded my gears. Where there was something where it was the home opener and. There was something that someone was being critical about, and a guy from TFC like was on Twitter, kind of being like, "It's the home opener, like, don't be critical, blah blah blah." And I was just like, "Oh, come on, yeah, like, give me a, like enough with this. We've been around this team for so long. Like, if if we're ready to cheer, then we'll be ready to cheer, and the people are going to cheer. But if sure. there was a reason, if there's any reason, and I'm not saying there is this year, I'm just saying the way that, that you kind of just outlined it there, we're like, you know, I won't be critical, and it's like that's fine." But if there's a reason to, sure, then there will be. If we go out there and lose three 0 yeah, I'm yeah, gonna, we're gonna say something about it. And home home opener or not, you yeah. know what I mean? Like that's just yeah. I, I'd like to qualify my statement just a little bit. Yeah, sure. If if they if they lose, but they play like they have been on the road, I'm not gonna be overly critical. But if they really mess it up, like you said, if they lose three nothing, play poorly, timidly, and they they get pushed around by FC Dallas then obviously uh, that is something to complain about. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, to get to kind of like wrap up that little segment, and I don't want to put you on the spot because I don't know how much, how well you're connected with this, but it's the home opener. You know, the, the stadium is ready to rock. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, these first eight games, I haven't talked to anyone who's sort of in the South End. Right. I don't know what your knowledge is of anything that's going on next weekend or what well, is being prepared or what we can expect in terms of support yeah. for Toronto FC. Well, we know that there's been you know, some incidents going on around the league. We know that the league is doing some stuff where there's going to be a wand, you're saying? Like, FYI, yeah. people listen to this, if you're coming to the game, uh, don't bring a bag. Yeah. Like, you, well, you might want to try it, but I would recommend not. Like, I would also, like, don't bring anything. Yeah. Well, in terms, in terms of just the league-wide, we know in the last week or so that they've kind of like released some new security guidelines that all teams are expected to follow and one of those was that um, all uh, patrons would be subject to um, a pat down a metal detector or a security wand um, and bag inspections certain bags I can't remember exactly what the dimensions are please look it up but it's 14 by 14 by 8 or or 6 or something like that but they're not going to be allowed at all Allowances will be made for families, um, people with children and stuff. But, I mean, that's probably something you have to arrange beforehand. I think it's kind of like a... It's... In terms of the stadium itself, it's kind of like the new reality. This is just the way it is. And I'm not sure... Certainly, if you object to it, you should let your people know. I'm not sure if it's going to do anything, but, yeah. you know, certainly do that. Uh, in terms of the wand, I have heard something about that, that that's, you know, kind of like the most likely scenario. So get there early expect to be checked in terms of the supporters in the south end um earlier one of the toronto uh fc supporter groups uh in montreal last year there was some incidents and um there was um i guess punishment or a ban handed down by the league so that i know that um, there are some restrictions on in some of the sections on flags and and stuff like that so um you know i'm i'm curious myself i don't know exactly what the atmosphere is going to be like on opening day like it's um it's going to be kind of strange because if the if the restrictions on one or more supporters groups is going to be taking away some of that atmosphere some of that sort of like thrill and enjoyment of, of going to a game it's going to be a very kind of weird experience especially opening it with the new roof and you know all the hoopla you know yeah, with the because i will say that listening like i was listening to james game on the radio 
and there was points where I couldn't hear the commentary because Portland's south end or, or whatever that one end yeah. was so loud coming through and you know you feel a tinge for me uh, I feel envy I feel jealousy and I also feel disappointment and frustration and a bit of anger yeah. that Toronto FC you know I, I've, I've said this before and I, I kind of always think it that there could have been 10,000 strong sitting in our south end and like around those areas had the club chosen to nurture it rather than try to like control it and yeah. stamp it out and make it what they wanted it to be yeah rather than sort of letting this organic culture develop and sort of regulate itself, which I think if it had, I think we would have been the East Coast version of the Portland Timbers, to be honest. Yeah. Um, in terms of the quantity and in terms of level of support and all that stuff going on. So, I mean, I'm always watching that from where my vantage point, but I'm always watching it just from like a, like a historical perspective of this club, the, the game, yeah. the experience, because it matters. Yeah, sure. It matters sure for the, it matters for the players. It matters for the performance of the team. You know, there's there's been few moments over the years since they've tried to do it where there has been a couple games where you've sort of started to feel energy building around the stadium, and it's like, yeah, that can carry the team through a deficit in the game that can carry them through to push through for a you know for the insurance goal, whatever you want to say it. Yeah. Um, I don't really feel like. Toronto's had a 12th man for a couple of years now. There hasn't been too many instances of it. So, I mean, now's the time because I think we have the, the best, probably, the, I'm, I'm like saying that like it's a question. Yeah. We have the best team we've ever had. Sure. Yeah, Is there any question about that? I mean, obviously, Joe Vinko is the best player we've ever had and the best player, I don't think it's really much of a debate. People around the league can debate it, but he's the best player I think that's ever stepped a foot on an MLS pitch. Right. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm not really sure what the kind of, like, what are league mandates versus club mandates? Like, um, why does, like you said, um, the supporter section in Portland sound so much more intimidating and loud and, and uh, you know, with huge TIFOs there and in Seattle and stuff? Like, I'm not sure exactly where that comes from and, and um, you know, what can we do here to kind of like foster that I will say that in my experience um, the club has been really open to discussion about what can change in that respect and I know that they understand what the and I, I'm not speaking for the club in any stretch of imagination it's just you know my sense is that they want the same things but I think there are certain pressures that they are kind of under that I'm not privy to and you know I'm not sure you know what Bill it, it could also come down to you know Portland has had a relatively stable ownership and same people around it so when the supporters are dealing with someone they're dealing with the same person whereas in Toronto over the last five years they've been dealing with different people sure and there has been a revolving door in the front office where someone you know we know that sure. Kevin Payne had a completely different look at what was going on then Anselmi and those guys and yeah. then he goes and you have like Wiki in there who maybe has a little bit different view on it and now we have Manning in here so yeah. in the span of four years four or five years we've had we've had four or five components of a front office that's completely changed who might have a different idea of what they expect from 
game day experience for Toronto no, I, FC. And that's a good point. And, and I guess if you look at where, in particular... I mean, there's another... Like, when you talk... We always talk about stability when it comes to players and the performance on the field. We can make a case that has actually something to do with support. Oh, for sure. Right? And what's going on with in the the stands. Well, Bill Manning was there at uh, Real Salt Lake for a number of years, and he had a very good relationship with his supporter groups there, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, So, you know, if if you try to kind of look on the bright side, maybe that's coming over here, and this is just kind of like the second year of it, and we'll see where it's going. I do know that um, it's not ready yet, but there is going to be rigging in the south end, so there are going to be those huge TIFOs down the road. Initial ban uh, on stuff in the south end is going to drop. Um, yeah, there are probably going to be some, you know, new rules put in as far as like flags and the size of them. And I know where there's some complaints in one of the sections last year about people behind yeah. being kind of obstructed. So I mean, there are a lot of kind of I think there are a lot of concerns that need to be addressed at the same time, and it's probably difficult, you know. And to your point, maybe throughout the history um, of the management of the club, uh, these problems have been exasperated because there's been so much changeover and so many different ways of approaching and, and looking at things. Yeah. So, Paul, I think we should maybe wrap it up on that point. We're hitting that the magic the magic marker that I like to set on this. One half of football. I think, right. I think people can handle that. Nice. So, we're looking ahead. FC Dallas. we got a, a slew of home games. I think it's Dallas, Vancouver. Was it Dallas, Vancouver, New York, Columbus? Yes. And then, that's what I remember you saying earlier. Yeah, and then I think we got the Montreal Canadian Championship <laughs> yeah. games. And then I don't know who we're coming back to. It's going to be uh, an interesting slew of games, but we're going to get a lot of action. May is going to be a busy month yeah. at BMO Field, so looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, people can get you, Paul, at. Uh, on Twitter, at, yeah. at GreyPaul. Yeah. Anywhere else? I think get me at uh, Paul at Eastside Stand Up. That's where they can uh, read the cartoon as well. And uh, you're also looking at you. Is anything? Are you have anything coming up for the home opener with like or when the Reds? Um, the I have I have something I'm working on right now pre home opener, but um, the home opener is still a few days away, so I don't really know just yet. Okay, but okay. I hope so. Okay, and of course people can get me at Clark R N O or at Red Nation Online at uh, Have Your Say or Info at Red Nation Online CA. Same. want you to get involved reach out to us on twitter at red nation online or by email at info or have your say at rednationonline.ca get in touch with us let us know how you thought the team did agree disagree it doesn't matter also check out our other podcasts on red nation online from the black hole ours is the fury in our interview series thanks for listening and we'll catch you guys next time